Last week we talked about the Trinity prayer model. What an incredible job the pastor did with that. <laughs> you got to encourage yourself. I'm teaching you what to do. Well, today we're going to be teaching on the tabernacle prayer model. The tabernacle prayer model. I told you this last week and I want to say it again. We live in a generation that has an oversaturation of inspirational messages over informational messages. Now, it's good to inspire and encourage and motivate. But I told you this, the Bible says, John 8, 32, but you shall know the truth, and the truth you know shall set you free. So in this series here, I want to give you uh, some, some, some tools in your, tool, in your toolbox, in your spiritual toolbox. So please do a raw check. Make sure everybody has a phone. Make sure everybody has somewhere to write with. Make sure you have a pen if you're old school and a notepad, but find somewhere to write. Because I want you to be knowledgeable. I want you to learn how to pray. I want the members of this church to be able to explain to somebody what the Moses Tabernacle prayer model is. We want to raise up a church of a people that are educated theologically. They know the word of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Not a bunch of people that are just loud, but they have substance. Somebody say amen. Now, I want to start off by saying to you, for those of you who don't know what a tabernacle is, a tabernacle was a mobile house, a small little mobile house that God asked Moses to build so that the children of Israel can encounter God in the wilderness. And what's interesting is that God would show up once a year in this tabernacle and speak to them. Did you hear what I just said? God would show up once a year. Ooh. Can I remind you that one of the privileges we have in this new covenant of grace is that we can talk to God anytime? Uh, you, you can talk to God anytime and he can speak back to you. In the Old Testament, they couldn't even address God and call him by his name. They just called him El Shaddai, which means the most high. They had to call him, you are who you are. I am who I am. They couldn't address him by name. And he showed up once every year in the tabernacle to speak to them. Please don't waste another day without praying. It's one of the greatest advantages that you have in this generation that you can close your eyes and begin to pray to God and connect. Somebody shout amen. And there's always signal in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. So God would come in this tabernacle once a year and he would speak to the people. And the tabernacle had three sections. The first section was called the outer courts. The outer courts. Let me, I'm going to throw my towel here. I'm going to throw my towel here. And, and let's just call uh, that, that place from that wall there to this place. Let's just call that the outer courts. Somebody say outer courts. And then the second place was called uh, the inner courts. Let's just, let's just call this line here to this. Let's call that the inner courts. And then the last place was the inner, inner courts or the holies of holies. Let's just call this place on this table all the way here and where the worship team is sitting, you're in the holy of holies. Somebody say amen. There were three sections in the tabernacle. Now remember, I'm not interested in just giving you history today. 
I'm teaching you a prayer model. Amen. I'm not a geologist or an archaeologist. I'm not here to ex excavate the tabernacle for the sake of history. I'm here to teach you how to pray. Somebody shout amen. Now, there were seven things in the tabernacle. And these seven things I want you to know because these seven things establish the seven ways, the seven revelations of God, and the seven stages that you, you ought to indulge in when you pray. Somebody say amen. Now, I got Wesley. Wesley, come here. Help me out. Bring my bags with me. Come on. Can we celebrate Wesley? Amen. <laughs> Woohoo! Let's celebrate Wesley. You can just drop that. Maybe right there. Sorry, Wesley. You can drop that right there off the carpet. So help, help me out, Wesley. Just take out those balls. These, these, are just, these are just footballs. Amen. I got this because after this illustration today, I can play with them. <laughs> so the first thing that was in the tabernacle, please write this down, was the gate. Let's call this the gate. Simply the gate. Here's the gate. You cannot get into the outer courts without going through the gate. The gate. Give me another ball. Thank you, Wesley. Now, there were two things in the outer courts. The first thing that was in the outer courts was what we call the brazen altar. Please write that down. The brazen altar. We're raising a church of knowledgeable people. The brazen altar. And then there was another thing in the outer courts, which was known as the laver. The laver. Now, I'll explain to you. The laver was just a little basin, and it had water in it. Another ball. Thank you, Wesley. And then after that, you crossed into the inner courts, and there were three things in the inner courts. On the far right was the candlestick. Somebody shout candlestick. Here we go. On the far left, there was a table, and there were 12 loaves of bread on that table. It was known as the showbread. Somebody say the showbread. And by the way, the candlestick was also known as the menorah. And there were seven candles on the menorah. Somebody shout seven. Very important. Seven. But there was 12 loaves of bread on the showbread. Very important detail. And then right here, dead center in the middle, there was an altar of incense. An altar of incense. One more. And then there was a veil here. And you crossed through the veil. You went into the holies of holies, and in the holies of holies, there was one thing in there, and it was the Ark of the Covenant. Somebody say amen. So let's walk through together. You guys are students of the Bible. What is this first ball here? What is it? Wonderful. Brazen order. You did a great job. One more time. Real big. What was this? The laver. To my African people, the lava. The laver. On the far right, there was the candlestick, the menorah. How many candles? Seven. And then far left, there was the, the showbread. How many loaves of bread? Twelve. Death center, there was the order of incense. And this order of incense burned all the time. It never ceased. And then there was a veil. And you went into the holies of holies. And there was the... Ark of the Covenant. This is the covenant that Moses received on the mountain. Now, I told you I'm not interested in just teaching you history. So let's find out what those seven balls are because that's how we're going to pray. Somebody shout amen. Now, let's go back here to the gate. 
What is the gate? The Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 4, David is speaking in this scripture. And remember, David was known as a man after God's own heart. Which means David knew how to access the presence of God. David knew how to get into the most holy place, into the holies of holies. And David says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and come into his courts with praise. Can you see that David is talking tabernacle language? He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into the outer courts with praise. So the first thing you want to do when you pray is that you want to begin by praising God and thanking God. Can I say this to you? You cannot make the journey into the presence of God. You cannot access the holy presence of God until you begin by thanking God and praising God first. Now, this is a challenge for this generation because we live in the most entitled generation ever. We live in a generation that says God has to do something for me first, then I'll praise. Well, this is the place where God does something for you. This is the place where you receive something, but you cannot get here until you go through the gate. And you cannot go through the gate until you praise. That's why we live in a generation where most people don't access the presence of God. Because people say, I'll only praise when I feel like it. Yeah. No, no, no. You praise God, then you feel like it. Psalm 103, David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. What is David doing? David is commanding his soul to praise because David knows that your soul doesn't always want to praise. And if you wait for feelings, you will never praise God. And if you don't praise God, you will never access the presence of God. I had a mother who Sunday mornings, she would wake us up and say, hey guys, who wants to go to church? And mind you, we were preacher's kids. We'd start screaming, no, we don't want to go to church. We want to stay home. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to go to church. And mom would say this, I'm sorry that I confused you. What I'm trying to tell you is that you're going to go to your bedrooms. You're going to wear your three-piece suits, put Vaseline on your foreheads, wear your shiny shoes. You're coming to church. There's no choice. Anybody had a mother like me? She said, you have no choice. You're coming to church. And when we get to church, you're going to lift up your hands and you're going to praise we had no choice this is how you praise you don't you don't give your body a choice you tell your body praise the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name it doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not you're gonna praise the lord in this place can i get a few people in this place that are not ashamed to praise the lord that are not ashamed to worship god can i get a few people that love the lord in this place that can say god i'm not where i want to be but i'm so glad that i'm not where i used to be i have a reason to praise you enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and come into his courts with praise I took my son Joshua to Dave and Buster's it's our thing we do this now and uh, we love to go to Dave and Buster's and we love to to hang out and uh, I took him for the first time we, we had so much fun we won so many prizes and then uh, and then a few months after that we went to Legoland now, I'm not talking about Legoland in Florida. I'm talking about Legoland in Somerville, Massachusetts. Assembly Row. 
Now, when we got there, Josh was, was, we paid, we went in. Josh just started scrounging, looking for something. I'm like, son, what are you looking for? I already paid. What, what are you? And, and, and in his back pocket, he, pu- he pulled out a card from Dave and Buster's. And he said, Daddy, I, I knew we were coming here to Legoland. So I met you, I brought my card with me. And Daddy, guess what? There's still money on this thing. We're going to have fun today. <laughs> And I thought, how am I going to break it to this dude? I I said, Joshy, I'm so glad you're so smart and organized that you brought the card and it still has money. But Josh, I want you to know this, that Dave and Buster's money only works at Dave and Buster's. That Dave and Buster's money does not work at Legoland. Dave and Buster's money does not work at Six Flags. Dave and Buster's money does not work at Water Country. Dave and Buster's money only works at Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's money does not work here. Impact, and I tell you something, that complaining and murmuring does not work to get you into the presence of God. The only thing that works to get you into the presence of God is praise and worship. Impact, and I tell you this, praise and worship is the passcode into the presence of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Ah, right, let's, let's go to the second one. I'm, I'm looking up my time and God help me. Let's, let's go to the second one. This is the brazen altar, which simply means it's an altar made out of bronze. Now, this is the place where the priests would come and they would sacrifice a lamb. This was the altar of sacrifice. This was where blood was shed. Impact, and I remind you that blood is evidence. Blood is evidence of either life or death. When blood is flowing, someone has life. That's why a lawyer would take a t-shirt with blood on it, bring it to the courthouse, and tell the judge and plead a case, and say that person is guilty. Here is the proof. Blood is the proof. So a lawyer will plead a case using the blood. Ah, This is judicial language. This is spiritual judicial language. The lawyer will plead a case that blood is signed whether someone is guilty or not. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, It says, Christ Jesus, paraphrasing, Christ Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, whose sprinkling of blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel, speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel, hid his body in the ground, but his blood was crying out to God because blood speaks. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. You know why? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Because Jesus died for you and me. Jesus, the blood of Jesus is evidence that you're not guilty. That is spiritual judicial language. The blood of Jesus is evidence that you cannot be poor. The blood of Jesus. So, so here's what I do. When I pray in the morning, I begin by praising God. And it doesn't matter how I feel, I praise God. And then after that, I begin to 
plead the blood of Jesus. I plead my case for salvation through the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife. I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I plead the blood of Jesus over this church. And Exodus chapter 12 verse 23 says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. So I begin to release the Passover anointing of God. Devil, you cannot touch this church. Devil, you cannot touch my children because of the blood of Jesus. I plead my case through the blood of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. All the blood, the blood of Jesus, it never loses its power. What happened to the church pleading the blood of Jesus? We have stopped to plead the blood of Jesus. We only have access because of the blood of Jesus. We can only make it because of the blood of Jesus. Somebody shout the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. It's one of the most powerful things you can ever do in your prayer time. In the nighttime, I walk to all my children's bedrooms and I lay hands on them and I just plead the blood. God, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood over every leader of this church every single day. Somebody shout hallelujah. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything I do, over my bank account, over everything I do. What am I saying? Devil, this is untouchable because of the blood of Jesus. Can somebody celebrate the blood of Jesus in this place? Somebody say amen. Well, let's go quick. Let's go quick. Now, this was the laver. The laver. The laver was made out of mirrors and it had water in it. After the priests had sacrificed, they had blood on their hands. So they stopped at the laver and they washed hands and because they had mirrors, they could see themselves so they can clean. This is precious. So this is the place where after you've praised God and broken the spirit of entitlement, and after you've pleaded the blood of Jesus and broken the, the curse, you get to this point and you begin to say, God, intimacy. That's what intimacy is. Search my heart, O God. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search my heart, O God. Test me and see my anxious thoughts. So after you've praised, after you've pleaded the blood of Jesus, you get to a moment where you reflect, you self-reflect, and say, God, search me. Can I tell you that we're living in a generation that does not like to self-reflect? That's why a lot of people don't love silence. People fill up their schedules with stuff because they cannot stop and see themselves. I heard a story of a young lady that was deformed. She took a rock, she took a stone and broke all the mirrors in her house so that she could blame her image on the mirrors, not herself. And I believe that's what most church people do. We don't look into ourselves. So we blame our parents, we blame everybody else but ourselves. This is a powerful prayer model because you begin by praising God and you plead the blood of Jesus. And then you stop here and you say, God, would you search my heart? If there's anything not like you, Father, help me repent. Help me see it. I love that scripture one more time. Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
Know my anxious thoughts. Help me know what's depressing me. And can I tell you this impact? We live in a generation of a people that are professional suppressors. We know how to hide stuff and keep it inside. Can I tell you this? Suppression creates depression. Some of us have gone through some of the most traumatic things in our life. And it just stays in there. And then anger begins to come out. Other things begin to come out because we're suppressing what's on the inside. So, so this is the Moses prayer model, the tabernacle prayer model, that we begin to praise God. No matter how we feel, we begin to praise God. We praise God even when we don't understand what's going on because he's sovereign. And then we come here. We plead the blood. And then we begin to self-reflect. Say, search my heart, oh God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's go to the candlestick. The candlestick. This represents the power of the Holy Spirit. The priests were instructed to crush fresh olives and to bring out the purest of oil to light the candles. This represents the power of the Holy Spirit. How many candles were there? Seven candles. The number seven represents completion. Can I tell you that talent is overrated? Talent is good. Education is good. But can I tell you, you're not complete unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says God. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the world. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be. God has already predestined who you're supposed to be, but you cannot become who you're supposed to be without the power of the Holy Spirit. So you begin to praise God and then you plead the blood. And then you say, search my heart, God. And then you say, Father, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? Would you cover up for what my talent cannot do? Can I tell you that what you see at Impact Church is not the work of man, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. We're not educated enough for what God is doing here. Come on, somebody. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And then on the far left was the showbread, showbread. How many loaves of bread? 12. Bread stands for the word of God. Bread also stands for revelation. Somebody say revelation. Now the number 12 is a number of establishment. When God wanted to establish a new nation called Israel, he did that with 12 tribes. When Jesus came on the earth to establish a new covenant, he did it with 12 disciples. When the dispensation of the Holy Spirit was released in the book of Acts chapter 2, there was 120 people there. That's a multiple of 12. The number 12 is the number of establishment. Can I tell you that you're not established until you have a revelation of God? Do you just read the Bible? Do you just hear about the love of God? Or do you have a real revelation of his love? There are two words when we talk about the word of God in Greek. The first word is logos, 
which means the written word of God. And the second word is rema, which means the active word of God. When you begin to read the word of God, that's logos. It's the written word of God. But the rema is when you begin to read the word of God and something jumps off the pages and it goes into your spirit and you know that you know, not through your brain, but through your spirit that you've received something. That's rema. I pray that God would release his rema upon you in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. The written word of God is the word of God. Can I tell young people in this place that until you have a revelation, a rema of God's word, you will not do much in this world. We live in the generation of YouTube and podcasts, but it's amazing that we don't see the anointing of God because we don't access the presence of God. YouTube will not give you the presence of God. It's the rema of God that will give you the presence of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And there are people that are trying to discredit the word of God. Can I tell you that the word of God is infallible? It is undestructible, incorruptible. It's the word of God. But Pastor Zenzo, but but, but you don't know, the word of God was written by man, so it, it can be the word of God. Well, can I tell you this? God created the earth, and he entrusted the earth over to man. So God does not do anything on the earth out of his integrity without involving man. Out of God's integrity, he doesn't budge into the affairs of man without using man on the earth. So God in his integrity used man to write the Bible. But make no mistake, it is the word of God. That's why the Bible to this day is the best-selling book. It's always been the best-selling book because it's the word of God. But then when you begin to read it, something will begin to jump off the pages and it will become revelation. I'll never forget the day I broke the backbone of poverty because of a rhema word of God. Growing up in a very poor country, I read the Bible and it said, it said Abraham had 300, over 300 employees. He had over 300 servants. And he had land upon land upon land, and he grew up in the Ur of the Chaldeans. That's the Middle East. So he told me that he had so much oil. And then he had so much livestock. I was reading that. I was like, oh my God, he had over 300 employees. Land upon land, he had oil. I, I said, that's a 500 fortune company. All of a sudden, I began to jump because the revelation got into my spirit. And I began to jump and say, I can't be poor. I can't be poor. What happened? The logos became Rama. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then let's go here. I'm out of time. I won't say much. The altar of incense represents intercession. Praying for others. Intercession. The altar of incense was never supposed to cease. You cannot pray for people without forgiving them. That's why intercession and forgiveness is a sweet-smelling aroma unto the Lord. Somebody shout, Amen. And then finally, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where God spoke to the high priest. This is where you access the presence of God. There was something different that happened here that didn't, that didn't happen in any of the six stages. There was an exchange 
this point was not just about saying and praising and doing this was the only place where you actually received where you actually received so as I close let me walk you through this pattern of prayer when you go home tomorrow start off by praising God God I worship you thank you for my children thank you for my family you are good you are such a good God I trust you I worship you I bless you and when you start to do this the enemy will start to remind you hey you, you didn't pay that bill you didn't do this you didn't do that and what I do is I take advantage of the enemy and I just write my list and I go back to praising God I write a list I go back to praising God and then after that there's a there's a there's a new strength that you receive and I begin to plead the blood of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus on impact church I plead the blood of Jesus over my music I plead the blood of Jesus over everything I do the blood of Jesus over Bishop and Pastor Matoga in the name of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife everywhere she goes today she's protected devil when you see the blood you have to pass over in the name of Jesus when there are accidents that are happening in Boston today my wife will not be part of that my church members will not be part of that I plead your blood Jesus in the name of Jesus then I go here then I say God search my heart the dynamics of prayer search my heart what's what's troubling me today suppression creates depression so I begin to offload stuff <laughs> from my chest by talking to God and giving it to God And then I go here and I say, Holy Spirit, I cannot pastor the church you've given me without your power. Holy Spirit, I cannot do it without your knowledge. Holy Spirit, I've never been to writing school. Would you teach me how to write songs? Holy Spirit, would you teach me how to edit videos? Holy Spirit, would you teach me how to market? Would you teach me to do things that my father never taught me? Then I go here begin to read and I say Holy Spirit give me a revelation teach me something no Harvard professor can teach me advantage and then I come here then I begin to pray for my loved ones I begin to pray for people then this is the place where you get to in prayer and it's not about what you say the thick glory of God becomes strong and you remain quiet and you just begin to receive and God begins to feed you to feed you it begins to change you somebody shout hallelujah I am so afraid that 90% of Americans will never experience this because they will not praise they are waiting for God to give them something before they praise you cannot make your way here until you praise God somebody shout hallelujah Somebody praise him in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, can I, can I tell you one more thing? The whole tabernacle is Jesus anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, if you knock, the door will be open. The gate, the door is Jesus himself. Can I get somebody to celebrate with me in this place? Hallelujah. When you go to the brazen order, Jesus Christ, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. The lamb of God, the brazen order is Jesus himself. Can I get a few people to celebrate in this place? When you go to the laver, 
It says, For your, skin, your sins are red as scarlet. I will wash you white as snow. The laver is Jesus himself. When you go to the candlestick, he says, I am the light of the world. When you go to the bread, he says, I am the bread of life. When you go to the order of incense, he is the one interceding for you. He never stops praying for you. When you go into the holies of holies, he is the new covenant itself. Can somebody help me celebrate this Jesus in this place? He is a good God. Hallelujah. If you're standing, stay standing, stay standing. Now, if you look at the tabernacle with the bird's eye, what do you see? I see a straight line here. And I see another straight line here. When you look at the tabernacle, you are looking at the cross of Jesus Christ. When you pray the tabernacle prayer, you walk into your office with the cross of Jesus. You walk into your office carrying the cross of Jesus. And I tell you this, you cannot carry the cross of Jesus and the world does not open up for you. I know what I'm talking about. When I came into Boston from Africa, I came with the cross. When I came into this city, I came with the cross. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I am unstoppable in Jesus' name. Oh, come on. Can somebody celebrate the cross of Jesus in this place? You are unstoppable. I'm out of time, but I got to tell you just one story. There was a young lady, teenager, about four of them, they went to a, a palm reader. When they got there, the palm reader read all the other three. When she got to this lady, she said, I'm not able to invoke the spirits. I can't read you. Could it be that you're wearing a cross? Before her mother passed away, she told her, honey, you wear this, this cross and you never take it out. And this woman could not access the demonic world because of the cross. Can I tell you that if you learn how to praise God, if you learn how to search your heart, if you learn how to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy will never break through in the name of Jesus. Another story, there was a kid who was being chased, chased by this evil dog, black evil dog. And then he realized that this dog was closing in on him. And he decided to just stop. And he drew a cross on the ground. And all of a sudden, that, that dog fell down as if it hit a wall. It could not touch him. There's power in the cross of Jesus. Please stand if you can. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus in this place. Linton, lift up the music in this place. Somebody thank God for the cross. Somebody lift up your voice. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Thank you for your cross, Jesus. When I see the blood, I will pass over. This is the preaching of the cross of Jesus. Impact, what I'm saying to you is that you can access the cross of Jesus every day. Make a decision to praise God. Plead the blood of Jesus. Ask God to search your heart. Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask for revelation. Honor the word of God. The Word of God is not just another book next to Harry Potter book. It is the Word of God. We have to honor the Word of God. Then begin to pray for people. Then begin to receive. You cannot leave a place like this without saying yes to Jesus. Every eye closed. I'm going to shout one, two, three. If you don't know Jesus, 
you don't have a relationship with Jesus, when I shout three, I want you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Here we go. One, two, three. Hands, 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 hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Keep those hands up and Asha will find you and give you a Bible. Thank you for those hands. I'm going to count again. If you need to be part of this, here we go. One, two, three. Hands. Hands in the air. Hands. 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 For those of you who lifted up your hands, please pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ, you're the Lord and Savior of my life. Come on, impact. Let's put our hands together and celebrate salvation. Come on, somebody shout in this place. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. Impact, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.